Hey, Zach. Hey, Steven. All right, Zach, let's get started with our hidden treasures of uh, UW-Madison of, of campus. The, the like, place we're at right now, yeah. what are the hidden treasures of it? Mine this episode are TAs in general, t- teacher's assistants. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't like being taught by TAs, but I actually really like it because you know what's cool about TAs, Zach? They're still they students. don't have tenure. Oh, okay. That too. <laughs> or at least they still know what it's like to be a student, which can be really helpful sometimes. Mm-hmm. It seems like professors sometimes forget that students have mental health that needs to be kept. Yep. And and yeah, even in a big school, uh, you can go to your TA and be like, hey, why does this homework make me want to die? <laughs> yeah. And you can do this with your professors as well, but it's a lot more intimidating to go to a guy who's been doing physics for like 60 years mm-hmm. and he doesn't, a lot of the time they bring down professors that teach really high level stuff to the introductory courses. Yeah. And that just, it's really hard to talk to someone like that sometimes. So a TA can be really helpful. Yeah. Which class did you go to the TA for? So this dude I know, <laughs> uh, he went through this experience, uh, at least this is the way he told it. Um, basically, he was taking physics and he just didn't get it. He doesn't understand like why basically lab reports t- take so long. Like they say, don't take more than an hour on your lab report. But then mm-hmm. everyone in the class ends up taking eight hours on the lab report because they don't know how to do a lab report. Yeah. And even though they're spending eight hours, they're still getting a C. And then after a few weeks of that, he went to his TA, who is not, who is very unintimidating, I guess. And said, Yeah, less intimidating than a professor. Yeah. And he said, Hey, this is the worst. Why is this the worst? And the TA was like, Oh, yeah, you're right. That is the worst. Let's change that. Wait, what? Yeah. So they changed the way they do lab reports. And now he wants to die less. Oh my God. That's awesome. Yeah. I know. I, I also, um, the only time I've gone in and talked to a TA was for physics. Um, just because physics is horrendous and they want to do like a chapter a day or something. Uh, <laughs> so it's good to go into the TA cause he usually can walk you through if you're getting stuck on a problem or something for me. That's, that's what I use the TA for. Um, but I, I didn't know they had that much sway in how stuff got done. That's I think it depends on where you go to school, yeah. obviously, and what classes. But like in some circumstances, at least in most circumstances, at least they can at least talk to their uh, their superiors and be like, mm-hmm. "Hey, I've had a few reports of kids like not doing well because of this, and this isn't really like we shouldn't be grading them on their lab reports because." that doesn't necessarily gauge how well they're learning the actual subject yeah yeah my my physics ta is actually um going to go into physics education so he's trying out a couple different methods of teaching on us throughout the year that's cool so yeah it's really cool and actually i'm pretty sure he has taken more physics classes than our 
lecturer. <laughs> that's cool. So sometimes our lecturer will say something and the TA will just look at him like, uh, no, that's not quite how it works. Um, <laughs> for example, the TA the other day explained how like cross products of vectors work. Uh, and the lecturer just looked at him and said, yeah, I was never really comfortable with that and carried on with whatever stuff he was doing on the board. <laughs> um, but, but the TA is in that good spot, definitely between been teaching forever and still still learning yeah. like along with you um I, if you had more notes nope, on tas that's all good all right so i kind of forgot that we did this hidden treasure segment uh until like 15 minutes ago <laughs> uh, <laughs> so i poked my head out uh to ask my sweet mates what they think the best part of campus is and um my pretty gay next room neighbor said that his favorite part of campus is how gay it is uh uwm is i'm pretty sure the gayest campus in wisconsin okay in what way in that it, it's the most lgbt friendly i suppose there okay, there, there are aren't... more organizations um less restrictions i suppose we've got a couple lgbt resource centers and uh, we also host the largest Midwest drag show, which I think I've talked about on here before. All right. So um, apparently that's a, a large factor. Yeah, that definitely is important to a lot of people. Yeah. Okay. And, and overall, I think even more than just LGBT inclusivity, UWM works very hard to be inclusive to as many categories of people as it can. That was not quite the right way to word it, but... Yeah, I know that uh, UW-Madison... Not super recently, but decently recently, as far as the whole sco scope of the school goes, uh, added gender-neutral bathrooms to every building. Mm. I don't know if we have gender-neutral ones in every building yet. Housing does. I'm decently sure that's true. I'm not 100% yeah. at all. So no one quote me on that. Unless it's true, then quote me on that. <laughs> so, speaking of housing, Zach... Yeah, so um, I'm pretty sure that for someone on the Madison campus, because you have a lot of different schools, um, the like, I'm is there one LLC that's a little more for that inclusivity? Uh, what we have is I know I know the the one that comes to mind instantly is uh, a learning community for LGBTQ plus in um, Phillips Residence Hall, mm -hmm. and basically what that means is. It's a floor full of people who are safe, mm -hmm. either either safe or um, or fall into that one of those categories. So allies and actual LGBT generally plus. LGBT, yeah, yeah. And so yeah, the, if you can apply to be in it, um, but I don't think that there is a residence hall that is more. Yeah, or less. I, I just meant the the. A learning community yeah okay um but you also made your decision i'm pretty sure based primarily on the learning community that you are in now yes i would probably not have chosen celery if it were not for my learning community so what uwm there's pretty much only the one there's actually three but the other two are really far off campus and they weren't even really a consideration for me um but it sounds like you, before you figured out you wanted to be in the studio learning community, had some other ideas of where you might want to go. Uh, yeah, I was, I was looking around. I didn't look very hard because um, 
honestly, I didn't even know that I was going to Madison before. I, it was very, very late, I should say, mm-hmm. in in the apl- application process. And basically when I decided was when I had to get my application for housing in. Oh, okay. Like it was, it was the same week. Yeah. So I didn't have a ton of time to do a lot of research, and but I did know my I did know my roommate, and he wanted to do the studio, so I didn't have, I didn't have to have a whole lot of research done. I just did whatever he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So that was about how that went. Um, I know that if I was going to do it again, mm-hmm. and the studio wasn't an option, I would. There are two areas, I guess, for uh, residence halls. There's southeast and lakeshore yep and lakeshore is way too far away i don't like it it's a lot quieter and nicer but it's too far away from everything for me Mm -hmm. so i would stay in southeast but one of the nicer dorms than celery um og is a literally across the street and and it's nicer chadbourne is a giant fidget spinner shape (laughs) which is supposed to be pretty nice i've never actually been inside um but yeah that's about it. Also, I would pick something not on the second floor. It's not as nice as it seems. Mm-hmm. So you would go for proximity to like downtown and to campus. Yeah, as yeah. your main factor, and then also looking into amenities. But primary, you'd say, is proximity. I would say that. Hmm, I think the amenities would have to be very, very nice. Well, to sway my decision on proximity okay so i'm going to sweden hey i got got my application got my acceptance letter some bureaucracy stuff to get through but i'm going to sweden sweet um and as a part of that i've got to choose where to live and they don't have just the three like uwm has um they've got i think a little closer to uh what madison has except they're all privately held but through one public i don't understand the european upper uh upper schooling system either way i've basically got to find an apartment and live there uh from like a pool of seven or eight different places so so far i'm using um like the distance from the the location to school and to downtown because they're pretty near each other um whether or not there's an oven in the kitchen um the proximity to like parks and general green space. And then I've been street viewing the commute from the location to school just to kind of see what that would be like. Do you have any other thoughts on what I should look at? Well, uh, proximity to hospitals. I don't anticipate going to many hospitals. It's not for you. It's for the ambulances that drive by. Ah, okay, so in the middle in of the inverse night. proximity of, yeah. to hospitals. Uh, unless you are concerned, but I, <laughs> I am not. I, I don't anticipate needing to be hospitalized. However, mm-hmm. I understand that's not a good. I, I think I'm close enough to a hospital. This is what I'm saying. Yeah, and I'm probably too close to three hospitals, and <laughs> there's just a lot of sirens. Oh yeah, I got to think about what the 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 general noise will be in the place so I can record. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Uh, whether or not it has, like, drywall versus concrete as far as noise dampening. Yeah. They're treating it like an apartment, though, so I think I might be able to do a little more to the walls than I can in student housing. Okay. But I don't know. I guess I'll find out once I get there. <laughs> um, 
Let's see what else. I can't. I'm trying to think of what else. Uh, ooh, do they have differing internet speeds? The uh, internet, I think, is all through um, just the school for the ones that I'm looking at. Might want to look into it anyway, because if one has a different provider than the other because it's cheaper, which would not be very strange for a school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I suppose. Other than that, I can't think of anything. All right. Well, yeah. So it's down to, I think, three places with those right. those restrictions. Listeners, if you have any suggestions, please write in. Um, but I can choose a couple, and they'll just put me in one of them based on availability. So Sounds good. As a side note, the, the bureaucracy to go from country to country is large and annoying. Um, so this is, I'm, we're recording November 3rd. Gonna break the veil, destroy oh no. the magic. We don't record this the second it hits your ears. Uh, it's not live. I'm sorry. Um, uh, I got my acceptance letter yesterday. And um, by January, I need to have a visa to fly into the country. Right. The visa application process requires an acceptance letter from the university. And can take up to three months. What? Yeah. Three months? Yeah. Oh, boy. So that's, that's an up to. I think, I think I can make it work. There might be a way to expedite it. But it's annoying. That is very annoying. Also, I think I need an ID from that to apply for housing. From the visa or from the school? From the visa. Okay. Oh, man. It'll happen. Just the bureaucracy. It's, it's present. Well, good luck. I think that's kind of one of the things that Sweden's known for, actually. <laughs> okay, speaking of things that don't always work uh, efficiently, or maybe like you'd expect them or want them to, uh, you write on a notebook, right? Uh, occasionally. Uh, yes, frequently, actually. Okay, when you don't, what do you take your notes in? Microsoft OneNote, against OneNote. all my better judgment. <laughs> oh, um, but you do that, you type... Type up the words. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yes, because you don't have a... Uh, so when you're writing with a notebook, how often does your pen stop working? Um, I mean, only pretty much only when it runs out of ink, right? Mm-hmm. It, which, so pretty infrequently. Okay. Uh, and when it does stop working, the solution is pretty clear. It's just... Use a different pen. Use a different pen. Refill the other pen. Like it's get some more depending ink, yeah. on what situation I'm in, I will do a different thing. But it's they're pretty easy fixes, yeah. Uh, so my pen on my notebook stops working fairly often. Oh, uh, this is a recent development. But every once in a while, I will be writing, and then I'll close my computer and I'll open my computer and I'll want to write again, and the pen just will not exist according to the computer. So I'll restart the pen, and the pen will not exist according to the computer. So I restart the computer, and then the pen works just fine. Okay. How many times does your eraser not work? You, you just wrote with a pencil, and now the pencil's eraser doesn't work. That has never happened. <laughs> not when you're using Microsoft OneNote. <laughs> yeah, I, too, have many issues with Microsoft OneNote. Um... For example, I use Text Expander because it's helpful. It's you. Yeah. The idea is you write a short snippet of information and then you it fills in the rest because it knows what you're trying to type. I think I'm just about to the point where I need to 
get text expander for the things that I do daily or weekly. Okay, but not if those things are in Microsoft OneNote, Zach. They aren't. I think I'm good. Okay, good. Because you know what happens when you try to use Text Expander, which but here's how Text Expander works, okay? It watches your keystrokes and says, okay, he typed T-O-M. He's going to type tomorrow. Or I, I usually do like semicolon T-O-M. Because mm-hmm. tomorrow is just one of those words for me. In my head, I, whenever I write tomorrow, it's always Tom or Row. Yeah. For whatever reason, I just spelling just didn't click for me, so I just had to use the weird little Tom or Row <laughs> thing. So instead of typing it out slowly, I do semicolon T O M. So what Text Expander yeah. does is it sees that and it deletes what I just typed and copy pastes tomorrow and then refills my clipboard which with whatever was in there before. Okay. Okay. Microsoft OneNote doesn't like that. It doesn't oh. like pasting. What a shock. Pasting is bad. <laughs> pasting makes Microsoft OneNote crash. What? Yeah. Oh, God. this I had not heard it. I Last I heard, it just didn't work right and, like, pasted the wrong thing in. Yep. It used to do that. Then there was an update. Now it just Great. crashes. Up- update your things, kids. It's good for you. Steven. How many times when you're writing in your notebook does the on notebook keyboard pop up while you're writing? You didn't hit the button to bring up the keyboard. You just, your notebook keyboard just pops up. How often does that happen for you? I don't have a touch screen, so I have never had that. No, not your touch screen. Oh, you know, my actual, my actual notebook. Yeah. yeah, no, I don't type on my <laughs> paper notebook, Zach. I see. He's being facetious. Yeah. It's it's possible I have made a mistake trusting Microsoft with my notebook. Personally, the reason I'm on OneNote right now is that Evernote was raising their subscription prices. Yeah. And I was getting Microsoft OneNote for free from Madison. Uh-huh. So I'm like, okay, cool. I'll just switch over to OneNote. And I technically can go back to Evernote. Just use Apple Notes for everything, Stephen. I don't want to use Apple Notes because, I don't know, it's just not, it's weird. And it has a weird organizational system that I don't like. There's not enough categories and tags and hierarchy of folders. And, like, I want something more powerful, you know? When you get an iPad Pro, are you going to start using Apple Notes then? Or are you going to try and use OneNote on iPad Pro? Well, here's what I'm thinking right now, Zach. Okay. I'm not getting an iPad Pro, so... What I can do is basically do, this is the worst, and I can't believe I'm about to say this, but I might type my notes in Microsoft Word and <sighs> save them in a notes folder on my computer. Separate Word documents. What about like Sublime Text or um, okay, yeah. Ulysses? I, I could use, yeah, I could do that too. I have like Scrivener. Yeah. Scrivener's not for that though. It's for writing writing papers writing anything like but not notes per se it's not it just take all your notes in omni outliner so you have to pay for that too yeah <laughs> and i would like to avoid like if i'm gonna pay for something i might as well just use evernote mm-hmm. and omni outliner wouldn't be that bad though i but you know it's yeah but at least I can paste in Omni Outliner, and I can paste in <laughs> Word, and I can paste in, I could paste in a .dot text file too. 
Like that's also an option. I could take my notes in yeah. a .txt file. I, I think w- you should wipe your file system, install Linux, and just write all your notes in uh, Vim from the command line. Great idea. I could take it in Markup. Like I could do that with Sublime. Yeah. But it would still need that hierarch- hier- hierarchy of folders. Which you could do... With just the file system. actual folders, yeah. Yeah. And that's the reason to have a note-taking app, though, is for the organizational system. Yeah. Which I actually really really like um, OneNotes. The issue, the other issue I have with OneNote is that it keeps all of your notebooks in the cloud. You can save them locally. You can. On Windows, at least. You can't. Not on Mac. Oh. What? You can export them, but you can't say, this is an offline notebook. Weird. There, there are two versions of OneNote for Windows, and one of them can be saved locally. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> I think there's only one version for Mac, although I haven't really looked for it. I, I don't know, man. I, it's, this is, it's frustrating is all. So, Stephen, I think the moral of both of our stories, because I, I also, this, all my problems started happening once I installed the Windows Creator update. Um, and you, yours happened when you installed uh the new one note i think the moral is don't update anything yes um <laughs> so i think i've said like consecutively for like four podcasts now that you should update your stuff yeah i'm not gonna say that this time total reversal yep ignore previous one eighty. never update install anything windows xp on all of your computers if you update things it will change yeah that's who who wants things to change that's why we have hardware yeah hardware stays consistent we should just if we wanted things to change we would just make everything out of software we would have (laughs) software in our pockets instead of phones (laughs) okay really though um when when problems happen send bug reports devs don't know what what the heck is up Oh, Unless yeah. you send them bug reports. Oh, trust me. So, I've so sent do that. bug reports. I've filled out forums. I've done everything that you could possibly do for this issue. These issues, I should say. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I, I'm very unhappy with OneNote. And I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm going to switch to something else that semester. Yeah. It's pretty, though. It's a pretty app. I guess. I, I really don't know what the Mac one looks like, because apparently there are 18 different versions of OneNote. It's just a good color purple. Do you want to hear some of my most recent notes from my computer ethics class? Um, so we were talking about how uh, computers are changing the way we work. And um, the, the author of this book that we're reading said... Oh, so there have been a whole bunch of studies about how actually, like, since, um, like, the 1980s, there is a larger wage disparity. Um, The average, or, like, most Americans' income has gone down even while American GDP has gone up. But there's also this one study that these two guys did, Crane and Whipple, and they found by taking the average of a bunch of their own indices that uh, things have actually improved so look at that. There's no problem. <laughs> Statistics. Yay. So we were t- talking about that in class and I raised my hand like, uh, no, that's not quite how statistics work. I, d- I don't have, I have not taken a single statistics class, but I'm pretty sure that taking the average of things is not how you get reliable information or not the best way to get reliable information. And the professor looked at me and he nodded and he said, uh, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> and then he moved on to the next section in the book. And in rainbow lettering, can you can you do rainbow letters in your OneNote? What? No. I mean, I yeah. can change the color, but I it won't continue changing for me. No. Okay. It it's a it's a good it's a rainbow lettering. Oh wait, maybe I I've never tried. Hold on. Like if I highlight text, where well, would it go be? In, try try going in the draw. Do you have a draw panel? Uh, yes. And then one of your pen types should be my rainbow pen just died. What the heck? Okay, so I have okay eraser pen marker highlighter. So it would be a pen. Okay, pen. And now it's giving me colors, and my options are black, blue, green, and red. Okay, so you don't have rainbow text or rainbow pen. Yeah, no, I don't. Uh, all, all of my angry notes to professors are in rainbow pen, so when I'm going back through for professor evals, I can just look for the rainbow pen <laughs> oh and gosh. know that that's what I was angry about that day. That's great. Uh, and so this one in rainbow pen says, great. Not like I expected to have a discussion in this ethics class. <laughs> And then he was talking about how uh, there were some people who uh, wanted my, or not, who want, uh, there were some people who wanted, like, the free market, and then they were upset when we started outsourcing to India, because you're taking jobs away from America. And I just wrote, boy, you're the one who wanted a free market, don't complain, when India undersells you. And those are the two notes that I have for October 31st in that class. No actual class notes. Nope. I also have, uh, I, 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 sorry, I lied. I also have work equals force times distance because, yeah. So that's, oh my uh, that's my ethics class. Awesome. Okay, Zach, speaking of ethics. Uh, All right. One of our favorite creators, mine at least, I'm speaking for yeah, you though. I, I um, agree. CGP Grey came out with a video uh, about death, mm-hmm. but like not really, mostly avoiding death. About not death. Yeah. He also came out with a 24-hour video, 24 hour video di- directly about death. But Yeah. It, it was, it's pretty cool. And you should watch it. I'll put it in the show notes. But, um, or Zach will put it in the show notes because thanks, Zach. No uh, problem. It'll be in the show notes. <laughs> yeah. It, but it got me thinking about some hypotheticals that I want to propose to you. Okay. Um, so let's say that you invented an immortality pill, Zach. Mm-hmm. So, you only have one, and it only works for you. Do you take it? And this is immortality in that I don't age, not like I outlive the sun. Um, we can do both. So, Zach, you, at the time of you taking this pill, you will not age in the sense that your body grows more prone to dying. Is okay, that how aging but I could works? still get, like, hit by a car one day. Yes, you could still die that way. I think it's my responsibility to. Oh, yeah? <laughs> because there are... Okay, that's not the answer I was expecting. I was expecting... Th- that one, I think... What? I was expecting yes. I was not expecting it's my responsibility <laughs> to. Okay, please explain. Because the amount of knowledge that you could gain and then redistribute and recontextualize okay, but in Zach. pseudo-infinite time but Zach. is also pseudo-infinite. Yes. Okay, also, I'm going to say something just as for the rest of the discussion. When we say immortality, I mean to the end of the universe. Okay. That but is like when I you could die. outlive a bullet. A bullet? A bullet. Like if someone shot me, would I die? Yes. Okay. But uh, the only thing that can kill you by aging is the lack of... 
it is too much entropy in the universe, okay? Okay. So not actually forever, you wouldn't just exist separate from the universe after it stopped. Mm-hmm. Okay, so my question, Zach, I, you said that you would distribute that knowledge, uh, uh, obtain and distribute the knowledge, and I mean, what makes, why can't we do that without being immortal? Because we have written records of things, and it's fairly easy to learn them. Yeah, but also there's someone that I, like, uh, right across the street from where I am now, there's the Honors College. And someone in the Honors College um, can fluently speak um, Middle English, like old, Old English and Middle English. Interesting. Which the average person cannot even comprehend. Right. And they can parse it out and translate it, I suppose, like you with Latin. Uh, it's a dead language. But I think there is a benefit that could come, maybe not with that specifically, but um, taking that kind of old knowledge and reapplying it to new concepts. But if she's already spent 30, 40 years learning Old English, Middle English, um, there's not the time to gather all of the information to recontextualize and re, um, okay, reanalyze so you're thinking everything. Different- with with infinite time you could have more information and that would give you a different perspective on new information yeah okay i could have phd level knowledge of a lot of things which is not achievable in one life the average human right. lifetime yeah that makes sense okay i feel similarly actually uh mm-hmm. i i definitely wouldn't say it's my responsibility but i would i think i would wait a few years uh because i don't want to stop aging at at 19 kind of wait till you're 21 right <laughs> well um but yeah i would definitely do it in my uh youth i guess yeah um but yes once i have reached the age where i feel it's appropriate to do it i would definitely do it mm-hmm. for similar reasons um yeah basically um not necessarily to it would be to get it would be exactly actually to get a phd level knowledge of everything I, what do you do with that PhD no- level knowledge once the sun blows up and? Well, once I mean, m- my idea is that I really enjoy learning. It's one of like it's something I do for fun. Mm-hmm. So I could just continually have fun. Yeah, learning things and doing like you said, a- applying these things that aren't don't appear to be connected, mm-hmm. even because I have all of these. Um, I don't know what to call it, even areas of expertise. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I would do with immortality is, um, well, something would be that would be really interesting is um, if, because memory is weird and not 100% accurate at all, uh, I would allow experiments to be done specifically on my memory of oh, yeah. thousands of years ago. Huh donate your living body to science but it's also a historical artifact yeah exactly like they're not i obviously i would like to be able to have freedom in a sense that i could go out and do things but if someone wanted to experiment Mm -hmm. also like what happens to your cognitive ability after you hit three thousand years old well i think a lot of the stuff that we associate with brains and aging now is would be cured by that yeah that's what i'm thinking so would you because right now i feel like at least you and i in college are getting 
better at thinking, not just remembering things, but thinking, mm-hmm. uh, would that con- would that continue or would it level off at some point? Would you would your IQ gradually increase? Would your ability to think gradually increase, mm-hmm. or would it level off? Would it plateau at some point? Yeah. Okay. Second hypothetical. Uh, really quick, actually. Okay. While while we're on, you are the only person who can live forever ish how long do you think you would want to and you could keep that a secret oh good question um i would definitely regardless of my decision i would definitely uh keep journals because i am a more detailed journals than i do because (laughs) right now it's mostly like feelings and stuff Mm -hmm. but now i'm a scientific miracle yeah so (laughs) i have to document it more um but I don't know. It, I don't really enjoy the idea of being not... At what age do you think the IRS would do a double take at your birthday? <laughs> I don't know. At some point, you might have to get a... If you're not keeping it... If you are... I don't know. What, I don't really understand why you would keep it a secret other than your privacy. Mm-hmm. If privacy is a concern for you, which eh, I'm kind of on the fence about it, to be honest, um, then you would have to assume different identities and such. Yeah. Just to keep appearances up. Um, But then again, you have a long time to figure that out. Yeah. But it is, like, really, really illegal to do that. (laughs) So I think at some point it becomes burdensome because you're doing it so frequently in relative to your entire lifespan. Mm -hmm. Because it would have to be, like, what, every 30 years or so? Because there is a point where you still look... 25 and are 70 yeah and or your assumed identity is 70 and someone might do a double take like you said Mm -hmm. would you have to read take your driver's test every time these are the (laughs) questions i I don't know it's um definitely that's why i think it'd be might just be easier to forfeit your privacy and say hey watch this i'm immortal yeah I, also, though, at what, at what point would you need to be for people to believe you? Because if you were just some 25-year-old who was like, hey, guys, by the way, I'm immortal. Well, I'm thinking something like, um, oh, but I had an idea. So you invent a BS method for anti-aging and write a book about it and <laughs> sell your book. Oh my god. Become very rich because you're 70 and look 25. Okay. And then, not only... Oh, also, uh, investments. If you just, like, keep a few thousand dollars in the bank for a while, that uh-huh. will... I mean, you can, to an immortal person, like, that will... Your savings will add up very quickly. Just keep investing in bonds and... Yeah. Okay. Ready for the second hypothetical? We spent yeah. a long time to this first one. Okay. Um, you only have one immortality pill still, mm-hmm. but this time it would work for anyone. Do you take it? No. Who does take it? Do you decide who takes it or does someone else decide that? <sighs> I think the only way to do it properly, because every institution is going to have their own preference. Yep, for sure. You need to do a random lottery. Okay. Why not just you, then? If it's random anyway, like, if there's no merit involved, why not Zach Sharp gets to live forever? My answer is yes, I would take that pill. If I... 
I might be selfish, I though. Yeah, I, the, I think it's something about not wanting to outlive those close to me by too much. And I think that's overridden if I'm the only one who can take the pill. Yeah, that makes sense. But it's a different thing if anyone could take the pill. And they could be the one to do what you said, have that responsibility. Yeah, that'd be a fun YA fiction novel. Not even YA fiction. It would be timeless adult fiction. (laughs) (laughs) Pardon the pun. But um, that, like, you are the one chosen and the, you know, take it at century increments of your your duties because that that would be much more public if somebody not if you you just had a pill and took it in that case i wouldn't want to i that would i would need to protect my privacy if i did that Mm -hmm. i think another thing that's interesting that i thought of last time but it works applies to this situation too is that once you have come out in public and said look at me i'm a mortal some jacket with a pistol oh is going to come along and be like, look at me, I shot the immortal. Can't do that now, can ya? Huh. Interesting. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Hmm. Yeah, you definitely need to watch out for people who di- disagree with your existence. Not, I mean that too, but also like trolls, effectively. <laughs> okay, hopefully, I mean, I'd like to think that a few thousand years in the future we'll be living in a place without people who shoot me for fun okay but a hundred years in the future you're going to be discovered as a 125 year old who looks 25 i mean it depends on how long i keep that charade up of assuming identities and such so you would come out as immortal when there are no more trolls yeah i think you i think the best way to do it to like come out and be like look at me i'm immortal is to Go onto a conspiracy theory website <laughs> and post like, oh, my God, look at all of these pictures. This guy like got a Ph.D. here and he's here and like 20 years apart. He looks like the same guy every time, but there's different names for it. I'm pretty sure this guy is immortal. Oh, yeah. And I then... could just I could go about my life and be and the, only the conspiracy nuts would know the truth. Yeah. It's a good idea. I like that. And then, and then it'd be discredited. Like somebody would be like, oh my God, you look like that guy who somebody posted about being immortal. And you're like, what the hell? I'm, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just Bruce, Bruce Was, Waslow. I don't know what Ooh, you're. Yeah, I have to come up for, with an algorithm for names too. I thought you were finding people who had like recently died and just assuming their identities or something. Uh, that makes sense too. But because it's a lot harder to put your records into the government databases than just to assume someone else's. Fine. <laughs> okay, Zach. So, who gets the pill? And what, uh, it, I, I you did give me a satisfactory answer. However, I think there's more happening in your brain. Yeah, I I feel like it it would be something best left up to some convention in like the Geneva um what's the thing that jeff jarvis goes to all the time i don't know uh all the all the fancy thinkers and politicians davos Hmm. the convention in davos or like the nobel prize committee would be i don't know it's uh be hard to pass up is all i'm saying is for someone in a position like that yeah to just not to say something like should be me I mean, after this discussion now, I feel like if I get that, I should give it to you. 
Because <laughs> you you would be willing to sacrifice those close to or sacrifice outliving those close to you for the immortality. So I already oh, know someone who is interested in knowledge, probably not like super corrupt and <laughs> Okay. Next scenario. You ready? Okay. Yeah. You have to take a pill once a week, but it only works for you. And the pill just appears magically somewhere. Uh, yeah. Let's e- let's either go with magic, uh, appearing pill under your pillow or something, mm-hmm. or you have the means to make these pills that only work for you. So if you stop taking the pill, you revert to what age you would actually be, and all the symptoms of oh, that. Okay. Magic. This is a magic pill. This is the only way yeah. this would happen. Actually, you know what? Something more realistic would be you stop taking the pill and start aging normally. So if you're 3,000 years old and you stop taking the pill, mm-hmm. five years later, you'll be 3,005, but you'll feel 30. I don't see a reason not to. Okay. It's a hassle is the only thing. Oh, no. Taking a pill once a, once a week. Yeah. No, it's it was not a good hypothetical now that I think about it, but... Just because then at any any point in the future, I can stop. You can stop the other way, too. Anyway. Well. Yeah, I understand. You can live the rest of yeah, your life. Yeah, okay. So then, so then is choosing not to take that pill suicide? Ooh. Oh, man. Oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, God. Okay. Hmm. I, I don't have an answer. I just. I want to say. No, it's not. It's too indirect. Is it indirect at all? I don't know, like... Um, I think it would feel more direct um, in the first case you had that, like, you stop taking the pill well, and oh, you, okay, for sure. the age catches back up with you. For sure. But I'm but if it just means you second, continue aging... It's... I don't know, because it's like... Um, it, what it, it's doing. What it's doing is it's increasing your chances of dying at any given moment... Not at any given moment. It increases your chances of dying eventually to 100%, right? Yeah. But it doesn't increase your chances of dying at any given moment. And at okay. least not initially. So, I don't know. Like, um, So take, it's just taking... as much suicide as eating a butter burger a day is. That's what I'm saying, yeah. Yeah. So okay. It, if you eat a stick of butter every day, that is... <laughs> Not a good idea. You should not do that, but it will because it will reduce your expected lifespan. Mm-hmm. Just because you will be in more, ri- you'll be at more risk of dying at any given moment. Yeah. Oh wait, no, that's not true. It's not. It's not the same thing. Why not? Because if you stop taking the pill, your odds, your the chances that you'll die at any given moment don't go up any. They'll go up as you age, obviously, but. Mm-hmm. It'll allow them... It'll allow that process... Yeah. It'll set the acceleration of it to something that isn't zero. Yeah. Your chances will begin increasing. Okay. So, I'm going to say no, but but definitely a decision. It's not like a small thing. Like, Mm -hmm. eating a stick of butter every day is not a small thing to do. (laughs) But, like, it does dramatically increase your risk of dying yeah although not not suicide in the general in the active sense next one (laughs) okay this one is much more um much less existential Mm -hmm. um 
So, you only need to take this pill once to become immortal, and anyone can do it. And you, Zach, can easily manufacture the pills for a low to medium cost. Okay. What do you do? You're asking me if I turn myself into Martin Shkreli or whatever. What's his face? I'm not asking anything. I'm just asking what you would do in this situation. Uh, okay. Well, Martin Shkreli is one of the, like, definitely present options then. Yes. You could jack up the prices and say, you can live forever. Just pay me tens of thousands of dollars once. Again, I think I'm going to go with institutions. I think it's right to um, distribute this knowledge to governments. You are not going to take any profit at all. You invented immortality, Zach. Patent it and then distribute the knowledge <laughs> and get licensing, licensing fees. But I don't think it's, I don't know. I mean, that'd be a pretty good way to fill up our get debt. Like, the, the governments have motives as well. Yeah. But you, Zach, you have you have a set of morals, and you know what mm -hmm. they are. So why not just have it be you? Because my morals aren't the only morals. Do you? Well, I mean, they're your morals, though, and those are the ones that you think are that are determining who gets the okay. Yeah. Um, who gets the manufacturing process, the, the information to make it, at least. I'm trying to figure out if there's some optimal outcome. Would you like let... um? Uh, someone someone said that if you solve p equals np the first thing you do is not collect the million dollars it's break into every bank at once yeah very true um and i th i think there is some angle on this invincibility pill that's very similar but i can't okay would you like to know what i would do yeah would it help you in your decision probably because okay what i would do is sell it for a sell it pill by pill for a at first ridiculously high cost okay millions of dollars okay. per pill then once i have become rich enough to never need money again that's a long time steven well i mean not i don't know i'm i'm thinking i'm selling this to actual trillionaires right so mm -hmm. no i i just mean that that's a long time for an immortal um, person i get that ever yeah ever is a very long time yes uh rich enough here i'll set this as the the cutoff rich okay. enough so that if i put if i put the money in a bank and have it gain interest i will never need money again okay if i lead a reasonable life as far as embellishments and such and then you bump it down to sell at cost not even i mean yeah pretty much uh, give it to an institution, whatever. Yeah. But basically, set myself up for life. I think my first move would be to tweet at CGP Grey and be like, hey, I solved aging. And he wouldn't <laughs> see it. And I tweeted him again, and he wouldn't see it. And I tweeted him again, and he'd see it, and he'd be like, God, this guy is annoying. And then I would publicly announce that I'm selling it. And then I tweeted him again. <laughs> Why? I, he, uh, like, of the people in the world, he seems like the most publicly interested in it that I can find, or that I can think of. I think if you were to actually make an immortality pill, there would be much higher profile people that would be very interested in your product, Zach. Yeah. And? What if I want to be petty with an internet creator for a day? Okay, fine. I but, have infinite time. But okay. Pseudo-infinite time. 
I mean, oh shit, I didn't think about something. My savings account thing wouldn't work. Why? Because everyone would do that. Yeah. And if everyone does that, then banks don't really work anymore. You would sell out the economy if you announced that. Yeah, I'd pretty much break everything, honestly. Let's re- I'm gonna reassess now that I w- I did not think about the fact that I would break everything. Yeah. Get it in gold. <laughs> yes, that's the answer. I'll- I'll, um- I don't know. I'm- I'm trying to think of a way to do this without breaking the economy, and none of it's correct. I think if you gave it to the government, they would have more ideas about how to do it They would just sweep it under the rug and no one would get to be immortal. Yeah. <sighs> I honestly think that the government... Give it to the government... WikiLeaks. <laughs> yeah, but then everyone's immortal and I don't get any money. I you would, get... I would like to have... Well, I mean, I guess I would get credit for... I don't know. I'm just trying to think of a way that I could profit and yeah. it's hard. That's that's why no one's working on immortality right now. There's yeah, no way that's to... that's why. To profit, profit off, off of it. it. I don't know. Uh... I feel like you could profit for a while at least, but the money wouldn't be good for anything is the issue. Mm-hmm. I mean, if we go, it wouldn't be the good kind of economy breaking where we have post-scarcity. It would be like there is the inflation is so high that it's not even worth having money. It'd be Zimbabwe, not Star Trek. Yeah. It's my best favorite okay. new way to describe economies go. now. Here we go, Zach. Yep. You profit until you personally can send the, the, the our species into post-scarcity. <laughs> and then you tell people how to become immortal. Okay. Sound good? Sounds good. Okay. So the second part of this question was the same question, but you have to take the pill once a week. So you have to continually manufacture things for the Earth's population. That would definitely, I would definitely do it and like patent it, but then license out to other companies to manufacture. Yeah. But I, continually sell mine at whatever consistent price and keep driving my own price lower. Interesting. So that All the right. licensing companies would also, how would you do it? I think I do it pretty much, pretty much the same as the first situation because mm-hmm. I, I just think unless I'm horribly mistaken it it will really wreck everything we built as a society if we become immortal if we have if everyone has the means to become immortal yeah so post-scarcity then immortality that's what i'm going with okay sounds good to me i'm always down for post-scarcity so like (laughs) um i think that's about it that is uh all entertaining all right yeah I, i was really only expecting the the one where you were tempting me to become Martin Shkreli. Yeah. <laughs> and now, a public service announcement from the Worrying Bugs. Use HTTPS. It's not that hard. Makes things secure. Especially when you're doing forms. Somebody's got to submit a form on your website. Use HTTPS. Thank you. This has been a public service announcement from the Worrying Bugs. Let's talk a little bit more about notes, Zach. Okay. So this one is not just griping about note one note this time. Uh, in fact, this one is specific to paper, and it, it sort of applies to computer notes as well. But really, paper. 
is what mm-hmm. I'm worried about. So I wrote, I write my notes in a hierarchy. So if my professor says we'll be talking about King John or has a slide with the header 1200 to 1245. Yep. I, I make the first thing in the hi- hierarchy that topic. Mm-hmm. Then under that, I'll write facts and more categories. And then under the more categories, I'll write more facts and more categories until I'm at the end of the paper. Okay. Because I'm indenting and bulleting is essentially my note-taking style. Yeah. The issue I have is that there is a lot of white space on the page now, on the left side. Okay. Uh, White space is important. I don't want to illuminate it completely because it does keep things organized. It separates Mm -hmm. letters and words and keeps things legible. But I feel like I'm wasting a lot of paper. And I don't really want to switch note-taking styles, but I'm willing to try small changes. Okay. So do you have any ideas? My initial thought is use different types of bullet without moving much to signify different levels. So a full filled-in circle um, is the top level, and then the next level is an empty circle, and after that it's a triangle or a star or something. Okay. Um, and they can shift in, like, a, a couple bit. centimeters. Yeah. But then you don't need to make as big of delineations because the delineation is made in the style of bullet. That makes sense. I can also see that getting annoying much faster than just indenting, though. Yeah. I've had a few thoughts about it. Um, basically using having everything line up on the margin, but indenting just dots on in the, in the margin. So... Okay. So, so, so all the actual words line up on the mar- on the margin, mm-hmm. but the there are the bullets on the left side of the margin, and they indent from each other. That's a lot harder to read though, because you have yeah. to keep every line by line. You have to check whether or not it's not. Mm-hmm. You can't just see if it's indented or not. You have to go look for it. Yeah, I think that would be even harder to yeah do than the symbols. Yeah. You could just do a carrot symbol for every indent instead of a full actual indent. You could just do, or not a carrot, but a chevron is the word for it. An arrow. Okay. Could you elaborate a little bit more? I'm not really sure what you're talking about. Uh, I'm going to type a thing in the document and then see if I can explain it that way. Okay. So instead of using white space, you use... Because then you can still... Okay, so I'm using... I didn't need to say chevron. It's just the greater than... Yeah. The symbol. greater than symbol. So uh, instead of using white space, you're using arrows, essentially. Mm-hmm. And more arrows means more indent. Yeah. Which I think is fine so long as you have a consistent arrow sizing. For me, that would not uh, work because half yikes. of my arrows would yeah. be like half the size of the other ones. I'll experiment with it. And even if it makes me feel better about using... Another good thing about indentation is it's very obvious like what the categories are. Yeah. And... It's easy and to I read think as well. It's using left to symbols right for that would fix it. Yeah. Like right. symbols would keep that, which one is the heading and which one is the subheading. I'll try that for the next two weeks and I'll report back. All right. Uh, speaking of rereading your notes, Zach, <laughs> uh, the second round of midterms is coming up or is happening perhaps. Um, I just took my second physics exam. I think there's another midterm come I, I don't really know when my midterms are just sometimes yeah. i'll go to class and the professor will say oh by the way next week you got midterms yep that's pretty much how it is for me too uh and in those moments you realize oh no right because 
you have not been rereading your notes, you have to do that, but you can't be spending time rereading notes because you have so much homework to do from other classes because you are just barely getting them done. I don't always know that I'm overwhelmed until it's too late. Mm -hmm. But I've discovered a few things about myself that make it easier to tell if something is becoming too much. Okay. Uh, For me, it's my room gets messier. Um, I feel like I don't have time to make my bed anymore and clean the room. This is usually not true, but things start being out of place. Yeah. Um, I feel out of shape, so I don't eat as well. I don't exercise as much. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, like three days of eating, like I'll, I'll eat a salad for lunch normally. And if it's, if I'm in a rush, I'll just grab a piece of pizza. Yeah. Like three days of eating a piece of pizza is not going to actually make me out of shape, but it'll do something in your brain. Yeah. To make me feel that way. Yeah. Um, and I also stop writing things down and Mm -hmm. i love journaling and i love my to-do lists but for some reason i stop using both of them when i feel overwhelmed which is not what you should be doing (laughs) if you're overwhelmed you should write more things down so that you don't forget any of them so that you don't have to worry about remembering them well i think for me a part of that not writing things down um so right now my to-doist today view is 35 items long does that mean you have to do 35 things today? It means I have a lot of things that I should have done a long time ago, ah. uh, like reading uh, chapter four. Actually, the ethics class that I was talking about earlier, um, I'm getting like a 98 in, and I've read one of the cha- books, one of the chapters from that book. That sounds very nice. But also, I still feel like I ought to read the other five that we've covered in class right so that's that's five of those um i've got uh one two three four five six from another class that i should have read or should be reading soon um some that are personal like sending you the script from forensics from like two years ago (laughs) that you asked me to do a month ago yeah and it's not a big deal though like yeah, I understand, and I think that's a part of it, is that it it feels like I've got 35 things that I need to do now, so writing another thing down is just going to make that counter 39, and that's even less bearable. Hmm. Still not the answer to not write things down. Um, but for me, I think there is this low level of anxiety I can just sense that means that I'm getting overwhelmed, and usually that means that I don't. I think that it means I feel like I can't trust the Todoist system that I've oh, got going on. Interesting, because at thirty-five items long, it's entirely possible for me to miss something that actually was important. Right, right. That's but really also, none of these are things that I can just never do. Like I should do all of them, and I should do all of them before December. Right. And there's never a day that's like the perfect day. Oh, I've got a whole three days off. So I can just sit down and do all my reading that I've been missing because I never have three days straight off. No, that, that that's not how life works. Yeah. So that's how I know is the low level of constant anxiety. <laughs> all right. Yeah. I think you just got to remember, like, the only thing that would make your to-do system fail is if you don't write things down. 
Mm-hmm. Um, if you're doing it, if you have a system, and it doesn't have to be the same as our system or any like anything you've written down or even thought about, if it is a system of any kind and it actually works for you, then the only reason it would stop working is if you you stop using it. Yeah. So I think you gotta trust your to do system as far as you trust yourself in mm-hmm. the situation. Do you have any wise tips on how to either not have 35 items a day or how to make sure that the like five that are necessary get done? Um, I mean, let me look at my to-do list. Uh, I don't know. I, my view right now, I ha- I have um, a custom perspective and OmniFocus called uh, do D U E. Like, so that's a <laughs> premium feature. Well, yeah, I, I flossed for a long time. I get All my right. premium OmniFocus. I don't think we ever actually followed up on oh, that. Yeah. That's good to know. Yeah. But yeah, the uh, the custom um, perspective is due, and it separates it into due within the next week, due within the next month, due within the next three months. Yeah. And then there's also, on the side, there's flagged and not flagged, mm-hmm. which basically means in my to-do system important and not important Mm -hmm. so there are four categories and i'm quoting a uh i'm indirectly quoting a uh book called the seven habits of highly effective people is that it that's the name of a book yeah but i'm quoting it from a podcast and they were quoting it so okay basically there are four categories of things to do there's Oh, yeah, this is the Eisenhower Matrix. Yeah, there's important and urgent. There's important and not urgent. There's urgent but not important and not urgent and not important. And that is basically, I didn't know this at the time, but that is basically how I set up my OmniFocus. Mm -hmm. And I think that distinction, it's hard to tell when something is important, but you kind of know. Yeah. Um, But yeah, it's helpful to look at it in those chunks of when mm-hmm. it's due and how important it is. So Todoist only has one date associated with a task. And some tasks I'm not going to have, like, the due date of that task be the day that I start it. Yeah, I, uh, I'm i not sure if I've said this on the podcast before, but I cannot use Todoist. I actually tried for a little while before I got mm-hmm. OmniFocus, and it just did not really make sense to me. I understand what it was trying to do, but it the way it works is not really due dates but defer dates only is that yeah yeah and i don't really understand that like because i need more information about the task yeah every time every time i talk to you about it i feel like i should get something that has due dates and start dates even like putting due dates in the title of the task would be better than well, but the other feature of Todoist is it's got the natural language recognition. Yeah. So if you put a date in the title, that date is now the due date. Right. But yeah, there there's probably a way to work around it or another system that keeps track of due dates but isn't OmniFocus because I don't have a Mac. Mm-hmm. I just, I, it does not make sense to me and I wish I could help you with that, but it... See, I, I think another part of it is that I feel like I don't have the time to work ahead. Uh, I don't know. I I feel I feel like I do, and it's weird. Uh, 
not because I, I, I don't think it's necessarily like a give and take. Like obviously you have a finite amount of time in your day, mm-hmm. but I think there's a lot of time that we just spend worrying about what should we be doing. Yeah, when we could just be doing something, and if that thing is on your to do list, that's awesome. Yeah, and just if it's on your to do list and I, configure. My advice is to configure your to-do list so that if you click on a button and you start doing one of those things, it's the right thing. It's to be the doing. right thing to be doing. That's what I. That's why I didn't have before OmniFocus Pro, mm-hmm. and now I do have with my custom perspective. Yeah, I think that's something. There, are, there are labels and important things, and I think I did set up a filter that was supposed to kind of be that. Um. But I think there is probably a way to do it uh, a little closer to that Eisenhower matrix. Um, because right now it's just one big thing of everything that is either a college task or uh, like priority one task. Right. When I moved into Celery to mm-hmm. the residence hall I'm in, uh, I got a pleasant surprise, which was an air conditioner in my window. Oh, Okay. And yeah, that that is nice. That's yeah, because it didn't have. I, I was expecting to not have that. Yeah, but um, the reason we got that was because there was construction happening to the building, and the dust could be not good for students' lungs if they need to open a window because it's too hot. Ah, so okay. we got air conditioners, which was awesome. And the only price we really had to pay was um some banging at about they said they would start at nine in the morning but it was really more like eight thirty. Mm-hmm. but Ooh, whatever I, I don't remember if i mentioned this in the podcast but i have a story to trump whatever story you have about banging at nine in the morning um <laughs> okay it, it really wasn't a big deal so we have um at uwm at least i'm assuming most colleges a day between classes and final exams to okay like prepare it's the study day it's uh, you're supposed to set it off on your calendar and study during it so in sandberg a like student housing provided thing at 7 a.m on the study day the day that is dedicated for students to catch up and get themselves back under wraps before finals start someone starts drilling into concrete right outside of my room oh my gosh because the maintenance decided that was the day to upgrade our lighting fixtures. No. <laughs> okay, so they weren't <laughs> updating our lighting fixtures. They were putting a uh, Amazon Dropbox pickup point. Yeah. Yeah. On in right on the first floor of Celery Hall. Awesome. And it's separate from Celery Hall. You can't get in without going outside. Okay. Okay. So it just opened up this week. Cool. And it's awesome, Zach, because you know what? What's cool about Amazon pickup points is that you can have things overnight shipped to them for free if you're Amazon Prime. Ooh. So if you order something on Amazon, you can have it the next day. Oh, my gosh. And do you just go down? You you get a code on your phone, a barcode, Uh and you put it against the machine, and the machine opens up a locker. Awesome. And also in the building, there's, like, returns and stuff. There's, like, cardboard boxes and bubble wrap and stuff before you can return your items. And Mm -hmm. uh, you can print off shipping labels, and then they'll ship it back for free if you're Amazon Prime. That's really cool. Yeah. I'm very excited because I have 
next day delivery for Amazon, essentially, and all I have to do is walk outside. I don't even so have to cross the street. Cover your room in dash buttons now. <laughs> um, you know, I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about getting one for uh, uh, Amazon. Suggested a good one. I couldn't remember what it was. My question is, when's the Amazon teleporter coming? Just beam the product <laughs> right into my house. Uh, a drone that can fly things to your window. Yeah. Uh, With like a dog flap in the window yeah, for the ex- drone. Exactly. <laughs> it was uh, four sigmatic. I have a mushroom coffee button. Oh, okay, yeah. I haven't bought any since I had some last year. I ran out and just never. All right. Do whatever you got to do. I don't use it that much either. Mm-hmm. But right. but now you might, now that you can Amazon it right to your house. You yeah. can... You can um, realize it's going to be a late night, Amazon overnight it to your house, get up in the morning, get it, and drink the mushroom coffee. Yeah, I can. <laughs> uh, I think you have to get it in by 10 p.m. to get it the next day. By 10 p.m., you know if it's going to be a late night. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, we're moving into the book club now. Totally. <laughs> Right now, immediately after this, we're going to be in the book club. That's what's going to happen. Um, we're reading Baron in the Trees by Italo Calvino. And see, I didn't I didn't need to look at the book this time. Good job. Um, uh, so if you would like to read along with us, you can get that on Amazon. Maybe you can even get it overnight shipped to you if you're in one of those lucky buildings. Uh, otherwise, I mean, it's... You can have it shipped there. You can have it shipped there, but, I mean... For it to be useful, you should be you in need the to, Madison yeah, area. Live there. Yeah. Yeah, there are a couple around Milwaukee, but okay. so anyway. Yeah. <laughs> uh you can read along with us with that and we'll be talking about it up to page we don't know pages because we're on Kindle, but chapter uh twenty two. And if you're not reading along with us, you can certainly subscribe to this podcast to keep getting more of this quality content about immortality and uh, uh, notes. I think that's about <laughs> all we talked about this time, right? Yep. Pretty much. Uh, <laughs> you can get that in your ears twice a month, once every two weeks. I meant to say once every two weeks, but I said it wrong. And then I was about to say twice a week. And that was very wrong. No, nope, that's the opposite. Uh, so. All right. Uh. If you in if you have any thoughts about uh, immortality or note taking, you can get in contact with me at at not Stephen Barry on Twitter, and I'm at the Puns Guy on Twitter as well. Please rate, comment, and subscribe, and yeah. we'll be back. Hey, listeners! So I have some news. Zach was abducted by killer robots and will not be able to record the book club today. However, they said you can have him back for enough donations on Patreon. So, if you want to get Zach back, I say we all chip in a little bit, okay? Alright, now that that's out of the way, we can get into the book club. I'll be just talking to myself. Um, So it's going to be a pretty short one. So we were reading from chapter 15 up until chapter 22. My first note is... Right at the beginning of chapter 15, it was Biagio saying that it was narrated by Cosimo, but in many different versions. Uh, and my note was that there's nothing wrong with a little embellishment. It uh, keeps things interesting, you know? So my next note is about when Cosimo started fighting the pirates. 
Now, now, Cosimo makes his plan. He was going to start shooting one gun after another, sending the bullets whistling above their heads, and then hearing the gunshots, the pirates and his uncle would flee, uh, each to his own. Which does not sound like a good plan, especially when you're dealing with unpredictable people like pirates. So we'll see how that works out for him. Actually, pretty decently, apparently. And then, he, when he looks into the pirate's treasure, he says, From the smell, I would say there's a quantity of dried cod and a type of cheese. And that actually is what a pirate might have in those times. Dried cod would be pretty valuable around that time. Now we're into chapter 16, in which Cosmo starts having to tell the story of his uncle as if he was the hero of the story, not the villain. And he's making up these stories, but somehow he has to come up with a story for his decapitation, the, uh, his uncle's that is, which seems very difficult. Then in chapter 17, he meets up with a bunch of people who live in the trees like he does, except not by their choice, and he needs a translator to communicate with uh, His Highness Federico Alonso, and... I would also like to say that the translator is doing some embellishment of his own. This is not the actual translation. Into chapter 18, we got some action. Uh, there was a sword fight in the branches, which is pretty cool. And like so frequently, the passage of time is so hard to grasp in this book. Uh, but it seems like he's saying I love you to this girl he just met. Which is fine, that's cool for him, but it's not exactly my style, I guess. And then when they were able to get down from the trees, they're all like, I'm going home, let's go! And I'm wondering if there's any actual historical parallel for this event, or if this is something completely made up. And then the girl that Cosimo pronounces love to says, I'll stay with you, I'll stay with you, and then tries to run up the ladder back up into the trees, and I was like, this is cute, I hope they get to stay in the trees together. Uh, and then, no? Uh, okay. Um, and then Cosmo's just a little too indifferent for my taste, I guess. And then in chapter 19, uh, some people are talking about Cosimo, and they're describing him seeing this girl again, and whether or not he goes into the, her house or if she goes into the trees. And one of them says, well, if he makes the rule that he can't get out of the trees, then he can make exceptions to it. And then someone else says... Well, if you start making exceptions, and then gets cut off, but this is a good tip for forming habits. There should be no exceptions. And then Cosimo starts reading Latin out loud, and Biagio can't tell if it's Ovid or Lucretus? Lucretus? No, that seems wrong. Lucretus? Lucretus? Lucretus. I think it's Lucretus. But uh, my note was, yeah, I get those confused too, because I've actually no idea what he's talking about, and that's okay. And then Cosimo writes a little book, uh, Plan for the Establishment of an Ideal State Based in the Trees. And my note was, another gosh darn self-help book, because that's what this seems like, just Cosimo justifying his good life and saying that anyone can do it, you just have to get in the trees and stay there. Really quite simple. Then to chapter 20, Biagio describes his brother's tree-staying habits 
as uh, or the reasons for his tree staying habits as that those who wish to look carefully at the earth should stay at a necessary distance, which does not, as far as I can tell, relate to Zack's metaphor being an independent. So take that, Zack. Having fun with those robots? And then I started to feel bad for Biagio when his mother still preferred Cosimo's help with doing things when she was sick. And then Biagio's fiance. Uh, retained an invincible distrust for Cosmo, literally only for be- for living in the trees. I'm not really sure what that's about, because it seems a little strange. There are lots of reasons to hate someone, or distrust someone even, but I don't think living in the trees, especially after, like, you sit down with them, you have lunch, or tea, or whatever they had, but, I don't know, if he seems like a cool dude, what does living in the trees have to do with it? Then in chapter 21, he meets Viola again. And they have such a interesting dynamic. Uh, the passage I picked out w- was, um, And who were you flirting with? And then she said, There, you're jealous. Mind, I will never let you be jealous. Then Cosimo had a start, like a jealous man provoked to argue. But suddenly he thought, What? Jealous? But why does she admit that I can be jealous of her? Why does she say... I will never let you. It's like saying she thinks we, and then he gets red in the face and whatever, but the, it's just a weird kind of thing that got going on. And then she says, you're a man who lives in the tree, you're a man who lived in the trees just for me to learn to love me. Then he says, yes, yes. And then she says, kiss me. And then they do. And that confuses me because I don't think... Cosimo lived in the trees for her, and I don't really understand what that would teach him about loving her. But you know what? Whatever. If Viola thinks that's the case, then their relationship is based on a lie and everything will be fine. Anyway, I'm really happy for him, though. It's, um, I'm mostly glad that Cosimo gets his dog back. Sort of. He knows where the dog is, and he didn't run away for no reason. I think overall this set of chapters was very interesting to say the least. A lot happened. I think the main points are Cosimo's uncle died. He meets a group of tree people and helps them be not in the trees anymore. Which also doesn't make sense for Zack's independence metaphor, so there. And then Cosimo and Biagio's mother dies. And then Viola comes back. And we will see what happens with Viola and Cosimo in the final book club for Baron in the Trees, where we will be finishing the book. So if you're reading along with us, just read right to the end. We'll be back, well, I'll be back in two weeks. We'll see if Zach gets enough Patreon ransom money. I am at NotStevenBerry on the Twitter, and Zach is at the Puns Guy, and goodbye.